Thank you for firing up the Sunrise Church podcast. My name is Steve Garcia, and I am the lead pastor at Sunrise. We are a community of Jesus followers from all walks of life, all colors of skin, and all ages. And I hope this message you hear today inspires you to deepen your connection with Christ. Let's dive in. So my question to you this morning is, are you a complainer? What? Me, pastor? No. Okay, this is what I'd like you to do. I want you to reflect over the last seven days. Did any of you at any point in time over the past week complain about the weather? Okay. How about the traffic? How about your in-laws? At any point over the last seven days, did any of you complain about gas prices, politics, the volume of the music, the kids these days, your boss, your neighbor, your neighbor's dog, the Dodgers. The Rams, the Lakers. <laughs> oh, Eric, okay, fine. Maybe I've complained once or twice. You know, okay, big deal. Everybody complains. You know, it's like driving over the speed limit or stealing lotion from a hotel. You know, everybody does it. You know, what's the harm? There's, there's no harm in it, right? Not so fast. You know, a couple of years ago, Stanford University did a study on complaining. What they found is that frequent complaining actually physically dead affects brain, specifically the area uh, that affects memory and problem solving. So the more we complain, the less sharp we become. But not only is complaining bad for your brain, it's bad for your body. Because frequent complaining uh, releases a hormone called cortisol. And if that's released too much in your body, that could uh, increase the risk of high blood pressure, um, diabetes, obesity, even death. So maybe you say, okay, I don't complain, but I'm surrounded by people who do. <laughs> I've got some bad news for you. If you're surrounded by people who frequently complain, it has the exact same negative physical effect as if you were the one complaining, which means it's possible to be harmed by secondhand complaints. <laughs> and so if, if you are somebody who's barking about the world these days, or getting all twisted up over what's happening on social media, or, or parking yourself in front of the 24-hour news station listening to the experts complain about the other political party, I've got some bad news. All of this complaining is making us dumber, fatter, and closer to death. <laughs> and yet, I miss all of the noise and the negativity. It speaks the powerful word of Scripture. Philippians 2.14, do all things without complaining and disputing. That's good advice. Yeah. It's good advice for our brains. It's good advice for our bodies. But most importantly, that's good advice for our souls. Do all things without complaining. Sounds great. How do we do it? Today we continue with part two of a four-part message series we're doing all this month about 
gratitude. Now, if you missed part one, I want to encourage you to catch up on our YouTube channel, which is Sunrise Church of California, and we discussed contentment. Contentment means I have what I need, I'm where I should be, and my heart is at peace. And when you are content, it makes it easier for you to be thankful. Today, we're going to talk about complaining. Next week, our topic will be competing, and then we're going to wrap up this message series by discussing comparing. It's very hard to be thankful when you're constantly measuring yourself against others. And so, to guide our time today, we are going to be in the New Testament book of Philippians chapter 2. So if you have a Bible or a device with a Bible on it, make your way to Philippians chapter 2. You know, my, my hope for this whole message series is that by applying God's word to our lives, that we truly would be able to make some progress in our lives when it comes to gratitude, and that we truly would be full with thanks. So I've already read you Philippians 2.14, just the verse. Let's reread it again, this time with a little bit of context. Read along with me. Paul says, Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God, without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run or labored in vain. These are powerful words, and they're written by someone named Paul. Paul was once a bitter enemy of Jesus until this resurrected Jesus face-to-face confronted Paul and commissioned him with, to, to stop killing Christians and to start sharing Christ with the rest of the world. And so Paul began traveling around and, and starting churches all over the, the European, Eastern European region. And one of those churches was in a place called Philippi, Greece. This is a letter to the Philippians. Uh, Sometimes we call them epistles. And this particular letter is one referred to as a prison epistle, meaning that Paul was under arrest. He was imprisoned in Rome at the time of writing this. How do we know that? Well, he tells it to us. Look at the beginning of Philippians 1, verse 12. It says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear through the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of my brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. The reason why this is significant is because this is the guy telling us not to complain. Now, I've never seen the inside of a prison. Some of you have. Some of you have been in county jails. And I would imagine those are places that are pretty easy to complain. But here's a guy who's locked up, and he's not complaining. And so that carries with it a little more authority. We ought to lean in and pay attention. It reminds me of an experience I had a a number of years ago when I went to go visit a pastor friend who was in the hospital dying of pancreatic cancer. And I came into the room, and he's hooked up to all of these machines. His face is is sunken in from all of the weight that he lost. His head is completely bald, lost all his hair from the chemotherapy. And so I just wanted to talk with him and try to encourage him and and lift his spirit. And, uh, And we talked for a little while, and then I'll never forget what he said to me. He asked, how can I pray for you? I almost didn't know what to say. I don't know if you've ever experienced a dying person ask, how can I pray for you? This much I know. I walked out of the hospital humbled, 
strengthened and even more convinced that Jesus is real because I just saw someone living it. Their words carried a different kind of authority. The Apostle Paul was in prison for no other reason but sharing Jesus in a place where it was illegal to do so. And he said, don't complain, because he himself was not complaining. I ought to pay attention and ask myself, if he's not complaining, then why am I? Paul's exact words, do all things without complaining and disputing. Let's break that down for a second. That word complain that Paul used in the language of the time, it means grumbling, murmuring, expressing discontent. That word disputing means evil thoughts. Disputing and complaining go hand in hand. They come from an evil place. Complaining is is a well of negative emotions that, that needs to be let out. It's a response to my frustration that the world is not as I think it should be. So based on uh, these translations, I want to give you my own definition of complaining uh, to frame up our time together. Complaining is this, speaking a frustration without giving a solution. You see, complaining's not interested in solving any problems. Complaining is just, I want you to know how upset I feel, and I don't want to do anything else about it. Complaining isn't interested in assuming any kind of personal responsibility. It's about shifting the blame. It's about letting everyone know I'm upset and I want you to feel the way that I do. And this is the kind of complaining that Paul said, it's got to go. He said, do all things, all things. That pretty much encompasses every aspect of every human relationship. (laughs) Do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. The reason why Paul doesn't want Christians complaining is because when they refrain from doing so, they stand out of the pack. They shine like lights. When we can exchange our grumbling for gratitude, that can be an awesome witness to the power of Jesus. You see, the reality is that the world complains, always has, and always will. And quite frankly, there's immense cultural pressure on all of us to complain. That's how we fit in. (laughs) In fact, some of you uh, have relationships that are built upon complaining. It's what you do when you get together. We hate the same things. You know, uh, for, for, for some of us, um, complaining is how we small talk. And these roads are terrible. Our tax dollars at work, am I right? <laughs> for some of us, we complain about people who complain. Aren't complainers the worst? They're always bringing everybody down. They're so negative. And in so doing, I become the very thing I hate, a complainer. You see, it's like a habit. It's like background music that we don't even really necessarily know it's there, but it's there. And it's so easy to get caught up in all of it. Complaining is speaking a frustration without 
giving a solution. Now, before we go any further, I think it's also vitally important that we not only define what complaining is, but also what complaining is not. And so I have just a couple of examples of what complaining is not. I'm sure this list is longer, but here's some of the big ones that I've found. Number one, complaining is not reporting. For example, uh, telling somebody at the school that your kid is being bullied or making someone aware that your friend is in an abusive relationship. That's not complaining, that's reporting. And there's actually a scriptural basis to do so. Again, the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 5.11, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. If you see mistreatment occurring, the worst thing to do is to turn your head and walk away. Reporting is trying to do something about the problem. Remember, complaining is not interested in offering any solutions. Reporting is about accountability. And it's about trying to do something so that this doesn't keep happening. So that's the first thing. Complaining is not reporting. Number two, complaining is not advocating, speaking up on behalf of another person. You know, for, for a lot of us, we believe that the only way to get things done is to complain. As the old saying goes, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. And so we feel like we've got to complain to the school to get something for my child. I have to complain to the manager of the restaurant. I have to call the customer service hotline and complain to that poor, unfortunate soul on the other end of the line who literally spends all day long listening to people complain. That's how you get things done. But no, listen, it's possible to advocate for another without complaining. Proverbs 31.8 says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. There's a, there's a scriptural command that there are, there are people who they might need someone to advocate for them. Maybe someone who has some more resources, someone who has some more opportunity, perhaps someone who has some more authority to speak up on their behalf. It's possible to do that without complaining. Advocating is a well-intentioned attempt to solve a problem. Here's one more. Complaining is not confronting. When one Christian sins against another, the biblical command is to make them aware of this for the purpose of reconciling the relationship. Jesus himself said in Matthew 18, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. So for example, one Christian may say to the other, you know, what you said to me was offensive and very hurtful. And they could fire back and say, oh, you just complain about everything. No, complaining is not confronting. Remember, if, if we follow Jesus' command and lovingly confront another person, what we are trying to do is solve a problem. We're trying to repair a strained relationship. Complaining is just expressing a frustration without giving a solution. So it's important to understand what complaining is and what complaining is not. Complaining is bad for you, it's bad for others, and most importantly, it's bad for the reputation of Jesus. And Paul says it's got to go. So how can we get some progress on this in our lives? Uh, what are some things that we can do to, to move the needle a bit so that we could be more full of thanks instead of full of complaints? Well, I want to offer a, a couple of practical ideas for us all to combat this, this bad habit of complaining, this sin of complaining that has welled up in so many of our lives. So if you're taking notes, jot these down. 
Here's the first thing we can work on. Number one, complain to God, not to others. You see, we have horizontal relationships and a vertical relationship. Horizontal relationships are how we relate with one another. Vertical relationship is how we relate to God. When Paul said, do all things without complaining or disputing, he was directly referring to the horizontal relationships. But things are different with the vertical one. It was David in Psalm 142 who said these words, I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out before him my complaint. Before him I tell my trouble. Complaints are are negative emotions that build up in us. And it's not good to just ignore them or to pretend they're not there. You know, you're upset about something. Oh, praise Jesus, everything's fine. Okay? That's dishonest. Okay? We need some kind of outlet for, for these negative things that build up on us. Here's the outlet. Bring them up to God instead of bringing others down. Bring your complaints to God. Let me give you an example of one of those complaints. Again, David, who wrote many of the Psalms we have in our Old Testament, Listen to these words, Psalm 22, 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? It's probably not a good choice for a life verse. This is usually not the verse that they put inside Christian sympathy cards. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I mean, these are strong words. David is accusing God of abandonment. I mean, did he really believe this? That that, that God was an absentee father with more important things to do than to hear his cry? In that day, yes, he probably did believe it. But pay careful attention. Where did he bring his complaints? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In fact, Jesus himself quoted this psalm on the cross. In a mysterious moment, we'll never be able to fully understand Jesus, who is God, felt separate from God the Father because of all of the sin put on his shoulders. And he said these words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's how I know it's not a sin, because Jesus did it on the cross. But here's what's interesting. When you bring your complaints to God in prayer, a transformation begins to occur. Because at some point, you have to connect the dots. The whole reason I can even talk to God is because of Jesus. He laid his life down to give me direct access to the Father. So the whole reason I could even give complaints to God is because Jesus died for me. That starts to affect you a little bit. And you start to realize, okay, maybe there there are some things I could be thankful for. And it's interesting, when you read Psalm 22, look at how David moves from complaint to gratitude. Verse 2, My God, I cry out day by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet, you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. You know what that is? Gratitude. This is part of bringing our complaints to God. It stirs within us gratitude. So, we're good to go then. David's spirit is calm. Everything's right in the world, right? Well, look at verse 6. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. Here we go, back to complaining again. But Then you jump down to verse 9. 
yet you brought me out of the womb. Back to gratitude. You see, you thought you were the only person who was emotionally unstable. David, in the same psalm, is going back and forth between complaint and gratitude. That's what happens in our hearts when we bring our complaints to God and not to others. Try bringing them to someone who could actually do something about it instead of just bringing others down. Listen, if God is big enough to be mad at, he's big enough to be trusted. Bring your complaints to God, not to others. That's the first thing. Here's the second. Consider which complaints were once requests. Have you ever thought about that before? Have you ever given any consideration to the fact that maybe the very thing that you're praying for or the very thing you're complaining about was once something that you begged God for? Let me give you a great example of this from Scripture. So Moses was a guy who was tasked with leading the entire nation of Israel out of Egyptian slavery. And everyone was on board with this idea when the Red Sea was split in half. But when they got out into the wilderness and had to hike a little bit with limited supply of food, suddenly this wasn't such a good idea. And the complaining began. This is the Old Testament book of Exodus, chapter 16, verse 2. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat, ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. This is one of the mass problems with complaining. It actually distorts reality. Oh, so suddenly slavery was a good thing? Suddenly slavery was some five-star resort where we ate till till our heart's content? Don't you wonder if there's just like one guy in the pack going, hey, anybody remember what it was like to be a slave? Anyone remember what it was like to have a whip go across your back? Anyone remember when Pharaoh increased the, 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 the need but decreased the supply? Anyone remember that? Does anyone remember that we were the ones who asked God for help to get us out of here? Well, we're standing in the answered prayer. This is it, folks. This is the freedom we asked for. But God is so patient with us, isn't he? He's so gracious and long-suffering with us in our fickleness. Look at how he answered all of this complaining. Verse 4, Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. Okay, so you're hungry? Here you go. God miraculously provided manna falling from the sky. Manna literally means, what is this? That's what the Israelites said when bread came out of the sky. He took care of their needs. They were hungry. They asked God for help. He delivered. You think that stopped the complaining? Fast forward just a little bit further into their wilderness journey. Numbers 11, verse 4. The rabble with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, garlic. But now we've lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. Again, this is a classic example of revisionist history. This is what complaining does. It actually causes us to distort the narrative of what our lives has, ha, have become. And it's interesting to even say these words out loud. All we have is this manna. 
All we have is this miraculous bread that comes out of the sky six days a week. That's all we got. I mean, just consider this whole picture. The Israelites wanted freedom. They prayed for it. God delivered. Then they got hungry and complained, so they prayed for food. God delivered. Then they got tired of the food God gave, so they complained, and then he delivered again. Have you ever considered that the very thing that you're complaining about was at one time something you were praying for? I've been convicted of this a lot lately because I've been complaining about my kids. And you know, it's, it's easy for me to forget that not that long ago, my wife and I were struggling through the pains of infertility, begging God that he would someday allow us to be parents. And he answered that prayer through the miracle of adoption. And now I have three children and it's so easy to just take for granted that, that the very thing I'm complaining about was once something I was begging God for. How about you? How about that piece of junk in your driveway that you call a car? This thing is always breaking down. It's such a problem. I hate how it looks. But was there a time in your life where you desperately needed transportation and God provided you with that car? It's so easy to forget. It's so easy to miss and to stop being grateful. You know, this is one of the things that we can do to combat uh, a sense of complaining in our lives. For those of you who are married, how many of you have been complaining about your spouse lately? He's so hairy and gross. (laughs) She's always spending money. But was there a time in your life where you were crying out to God in your singleness, begging that he would allow you to meet someone you could spend the rest of your life with. Isn't it amazing how easy it is to forget how God provided? For some of you, that's the story of this church. There were some of you who, you were out there in the world, upside down, no hope, no direction, far from Jesus, and someone from Sunrise shared Christ with you made time for you, helped you grow. And all these years later, the communion bread is too chewy. (laughs) They don't sing my songs anymore. I miss the old logo. (laughs) Isn't it so easy to complain? It, It comes naturally to all of us. It's so easy, but what could help is if we could just pause and realize God has been so good to me. He has met my needs. And maybe the very thing that I'm complaining about was at one time a request. So, how can we move the needle on this in our lives? Number one, complain to God, not to others. Two, consider which complaints were once requests. You guys still with me? Good, because this last one is really hard. Number three, control complaining by replacing. What do I mean by that? Paul clearly said, do all things without complaining and disputing. Okay, so I'll stop complaining. Well, if it was that easy, we would have all done it by now. You see, one of the, one of the difficult things when we're trying to change behavior in our lives is we think we could just eliminate something, but that often is ineffective. One of the strategies we can employ is to um, remove and replace When you're getting one behavior out of your life, you need to replace it with something that is better. And all throughout the scripture, there has been a discipline that that is great for removing and replacing. 
It's called fasting. Now, traditionally, fasting is abstaining from food or drink for the purpose of focusing your heart on God. So every time your body reminds you I'm hungry or reminds you I'm thirsty, it's an opportunity to remember to pray, to meditate, to to be quiet, to read scripture, to give praise, that sort of thing. What if we fasted from complaining? What if every time we felt that urge to complain, we did something like, I don't know, pray? After all, it was Jesus' half-brother James who said this, James 5, 13, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them complain. Wait, sorry, I read that wrong. Uh, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. That's what we're supposed to do. Then Paul said, do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Look at this. Holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run or labored in vain. The words of life, the word of life is the gospel of Jesus. It's the words that testify to the power of Christ. One of the disciples, Peter, once famously said to Jesus, where else would I go? You have the words of life. Another disciple actually called Jesus the word of life. Jesus is the word of life. He has given us words of life. And it's no accident that Paul linked do not complain with hold fast to the word of life because we need the power of Jesus in us to not complain. We need the power of God's word working in us to to replace this kind of behavior. And so today, I hereby declare... A complaining fast. Who's in? (laughs) Okay, so here's how it'll work, okay? Let's try it for seven days, starting today. That way you can't complain after service that you were convicted, (laughs) okay? So starting today, this is how how it'll work. If you want to take up this challenge, I'll do it with you. Every time you're tempted to complain, replace that behavior with prayer, scripture, just being quiet before the Lord, praise, any of those kinds of disciplines. Let's say that you complain and then you realize it after the fact. Okay, don't throw your hands up in the air and quit. This is not about perfection, okay? Confess and get back on track. If you complain and one of your family members calls you out and says, hey, I thought we were doing a complaining fast. You're not allowed to get mad at them. You have to just be quiet and pray. A lot of our homes are going to be very quiet this week. (laughs) So, If you want to do this complaining fast with me, I want to invite you for the next seven days to give it a go. But I have to give you a warning. Be prepared to be really challenged. How do I know this? I've had a lot of practice this week already. So I I wrote the first draft of this message on Tuesday afternoon. And those of you who may remember this past Tuesday, it rained pretty much all day long. And so after the, the... my, my time was done. I, I walked out to my car. I put on my rain jacket, put on my hood, walked out to my car, stuck my key in the ignition, turned it, and nothing happened. <laughs> now, I know my battery is getting old. I should have replaced it. I, of course, did not. And now here I am in the rain with a car that won't start. Now, thankfully, my wife just so happened to have been there at the church, and so she pulled up, and I jumped my battery, and I said, okay, I'm just going to head down to the auto parts store real quick, get a new battery. I'll meet you at home. So I 
drive is five minutes away. I get to the store. The place is packed. There's 100 people in there. And they're all buying windshield wipers. Okay? This is Southern California, right? What is this wet stuff falling from these gray things in the sky? You know? Apparently, nobody has windshield wipers. And everybody in this moment decided to go and get them. So I'm like, OK, it's going to take me a little while. So I wait in line patiently. I get up to the cash register. And I say, hey, I'm going to need a new battery. The lady finds it for me, puts it on the counter, says, here you go. What do you mean, here you go? Aren't you going to go put it in my car? That's been my experience my whole life, anytime I've ever had a battery issue. You take it, and you put it in the car. She goes, look, this store is packed. It's only me and one other guy. And God is my witness. She reaches down and hands me a box of tools and says, next. <laughs> I look outside, that rain pouring, grab the tools, do all things without complaining or disputing. <laughs> Friends, I walk outside. It begins raining harder than at any point in the entire day. I'm out there under my hood, pitch black, freezing cold, pouring rain, trying to act like I'm an auto mechanic, putting this battery in. At one point in time, I felt the rain going down my pants, down the back of my legs. I was soaked every inch of me, and I'm like, Okay, God, I appreciate this little lesson making me practice what I preach. So, I say that to let you know that if you want to take this complaining fast with me, be prepared to be challenged. But at the same time, what if God does a transformative work in your heart and starts to show things in you that you didn't realize were there and actually begins to put in you a deeper spirit of gratitude so that you may represent him better and shine like stars in the backdrop of this generation. Friends, Paul gave us the challenge. He said, do all things without complaining. And this came when he was sitting in a prison. But what Paul was doing was he was just, he was just trying to copy Jesus. But even Paul's imprisonment though unjust, was nothing compared to what Jesus went through. If there was ever a person in the history of civilization who would have been justifiable in complaining, it was Jesus. Unjustly arrested, had baseless accusations leveled against him. Humiliation, torture, crucified on a cross, a punishment reserved for criminals, even though Jesus did nothing wrong, and yet amidst all of this, he did not complain, not even once. At no point did Jesus say, I, I can't take these people anymore. Why should an innocent person have to pay for the guilty ones? I I'm done. Not once. Instead, he lovingly laid his life down so that he could take our punishment, and in return, we get a full pardon of every sin we ever committed or ever will commit. And maybe the reason why some of you complain so much is because deep down inside, you've never experienced what it means to receive love and forgiveness for free, paid for by the blood of Jesus. That's the bad news. The good news is that you can receive it today.
If you've never prayed to invite Christ into your life, admitting your sins to him, believing in faith that he died in your place, committing to follow him, I could help you do that today. In just a moment, I wanna lead us in a prayer. It's a simple prayer. I'll give you some words that you can pray and repeat back at, in the silence of your heart, but you gotta mean them in your spirit. You have to pray them in sincerity to God. So if you wanna invite Christ into your life right now, I wanna ask everyone to bow your heads, close your eyes, whether here or online, I want you to just lift these words right up to Jesus. Jesus, today I surrender to you. Just in the silence of your own heart, you pray those words. Jesus, today I surrender to you. I know I'm a sinner, but I believe you are a savior. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and I ask that you forgive me. I ask that you make me clean and I ask that you come into my life, Jesus. I put my full trust in you. Will you change my heart so I could leave the old me behind? live a new life in Christ. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer today, it's the first time you prayed and really meant it, I want to challenge you to let somebody know, don't, don't just stay there with the weeds growing around your feet. Here's a great way to do that. On our programs, there's a perforated card, and at the bottom it says, I said yes. You could just fill that out in just a minute. Offering bags are going to come through. You could just take this card and drop it right in the bag and We'll follow up with you and help you get going and help you get growing. Those of you online, there's links that you could follow that do this exact same thing. Maybe for some of you, you've prayed to receive Jesus, but you're not going anywhere. You're, you're just kind of stuck. Let us help you take that next step. Here's how to do it. Grab your phone and text the word next to 909-281-7797. One of our staff people will exchange a few messages with you and help you take that next step. Maybe it's joining a small group or getting plugged in to, to volunteer or you just want somebody to meet with, you need some assistance, whatever. Text next to 909-281-7797 or out in our lobby is a big screen that says next. That's our next steps table. And there's somebody out there waiting to have a conversation with you to help you get going. Friends, next week we're gonna talk about competing. Why are we always trying to be the best? And is that even the best way to live? Do you know somebody who needs to hear this powerful message? If so, invite them with you to church next Sunday to hear it. Until then, let's remember this. Complaining is bad for you, it's bad for others, and most importantly, it's bad for the reputation of Jesus whom many of you claim to represent. Complaining is speaking a frustration without giving a solution. It's not helpful to anyone. And Paul says, it's got to go. So this week, let's complain to God, not to others. Let's consider which complaints were once, once requests. And let's also control our complaining by replacing. I challenge you to take a seven-day complaining fast with me. And in so doing, my hope is that all of us would be full of thanks and not complaints. Amen?
Thanks again for listening to this podcast. I want to encourage you to not just stop here. Maybe you sense God is speaking to you today and wanting you to take that next step. So here's two ways you can do just that. The first is text the word next to the number 909-281-7797. That's 909-281-7797. You'll receive a message back with some ways to help you grow. That may mean joining a small group or finding a place to serve or just talking with someone one-to-one about your faith. You can also visit the notes for this podcast and follow the links provided. And if you're within driving distance of one of our four physical locations in Banning, Ontario, Rialto, or Victorville, we'd love for you to stop by sometime and give us a chance to meet you personally. Again, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope to see you soon. God bless.